Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, ladies and gentlemen, a finely tuned athlete on the verge of greatness. He is the captain. Yeah, a finely tuned athlete that barely can tie his shoes. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring All Struck Dry Apple Plus Oak Cider. Fall or autumn, whatever you want to call it, I call it a great time to have a glass of cider. Taste the fresh apples, the sunshine, and a hint of dry oak. Garage grade three and three-quarter bottle caps out of five. And today, we are toasting some of our Garage Army members. First up, we have Brian H., a big Buckeye fan down in Cookville, Tennessee. And a big shout out to Amelia and Haley, Idaho. Next up, we have our friend Liz, who is down with the sickness in Tyson's, Virginia. And a big we like you, Jib, to Letitia in Kansas City, Missouri. Next up, we have brother Ben in Minnesota and sister Kinsey in one of the most manly cities of all time, Kodiak, Alaska. And last but certainly not least, we have Jock, or is it Jacques? In Virginia. Cheers to everybody who went to truecrimegarage.com and clicked on the donate button. Thank you all for filling up the fridge. Make sure you check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff at True Crime Garage. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Yeah, Lauren was my neighbor. Um, we're just trying to find out where she is at this point. I mean, no one has seen her since Saturday. I mean, the last time anyone heard from her was an email that she sent out, and I mean, no one's heard from her since. And did you see her hang out with anyone at the time, anything like that? I mean, no, no, no one has seen her since Saturday. I haven't seen anything. I mean, you always hear noise outside, but it's just people walking by pretty much. 
And you, uh, she just recently graduated from Mercer? Yeah, she and I, were, we were both JD students. Um, we graduated back in May. What kind of person was she? I mean, how did you, what did you see? I mean, she's as nice as can be. I mean, very personable, very much a people person. Do you know anybody that, any enemies she might have had, somebody that might want to hurt her? No, I mean, we're, we don't know where she is. I mean, the only thing we can think is that maybe she went out running and someone snatched her. Because, I mean, we went, at, we went over, one of her friends had a key, we went inside and tried to see if there was anything amiss, but, I mean, she had a door jam that was sitting right by it, so there was no sign that anyone broke in. I mean, the door was locked when everyone got here. I mean, we, we just don't know where she is. What about um, in the like the parking lot area? I know they've been doing a lot of, I think that's where they have recovered the body or whatever they recovered from there. Body? Um, had you heard, had you seen anything there? Had you seen anything there? Right. I mean, we don't know if this is the same person. You know what I mean? Like, they took out a body there earlier. We don't know if it's the same person or not. So that's how we're trying to ask people if they know who lived there. Are you okay, sir? I think I need to sit down. Okay. 27-year-old Lauren Giddings graduated from Mercer University Law School in May of 2011. She grew up in the suburbs southwest of Baltimore. Lauren moved away from home nearly a decade earlier and lived most of that time in Georgia. She is away for college, but while away, it is said that she fell in love with the South, which, in my opinion, is very easy to do. After school, she wanted to do defense work, either working as a defense attorney or for a defense team. She was just weeks away from taking the bar exam. So, Captain, Lauren's really got two major things going on right now. One, she is done with school, and now it's time to study hardcore and nail this bar exam. And two, she's moving. She's going to move out afterwards, and the plan is to pack up everything and move to Atlanta. Shout out to the ATL. So, she will be attempting to get a job in Atlanta after passing the bar. I believe she was going to move in with a boyfriend in Atlanta. But for now, it's study time. We've got to pass that bar. We have an aspiring lawyer cramming for the Georgia bar exam. Now, at first, her friends, assuming she was sequestered in her apartment studying, thought little of her absence. They thought little of her not answering the phone or not returning their text messages. This, however, would not go unnoticed. And after a few days, one friend in particular will sound the alarm. It was about four days before anyone went looking for her. June 29th was when friends started officially looking for Lauren. We need to introduce Katie O'Hara and Lori Supsick. These are Lauren's best friends, lifelong friends. The three became a trio way back in kindergarten. But now, as adults, this trio is spread out, living in three different states. But they are in constant communication with each other. Katie is at home in Maryland, and she sounds the alarm first. 
She had been trying to get a hold of Lauren for a couple of days. Lauren was not returning calls or text. Remember, however, Lauren was studying pretty hardcore for the bar exam. So you know how people will set up like an out-of-office reply. Thanks for your email, but I will be out of the office. I'm skiing in Aspen. That is what I put on my out-of-office reply. However, I'm just sitting on the couch drinking beer and watching football for four days straight. I normally just put, I'm out of my office doing something way cooler than you are. Well, Lauren, and I'm guessing this may have been a Facebook post or maybe an email that she sent out, Mm -hmm. but she sent out a little message saying, I'm basically putting myself on lockdown and I'm studying for this exam. Right. It's been the thing she's been gearing towards for years. Yeah. Kind of a, a don't be offended thing if you don't hear from me. Regardless of what was going on, luckily, Katie sounded the alarm and friends joined in because, as you will see, this case could have went much, much differently. Katie called her good friend Lori. Lori didn't take the call. She was busy and thought, I'll call my friend back. Katie didn't stop there. She called Lori's sister, who lives with Lori. Katie is not close with the sister, so now Lori is aware that something is going on here. Lori tells Katie she was experiencing the same issue. Lauren was unresponsive. Now they are both trying to get a hold of Lauren, calling her cell, and everything is going straight to voicemail by this time. I should note Lori is in Chicago. So now the friends reach out to Lauren's family. They, too, have not heard from Lauren for a couple of days. This is getting stranger by the minute for Lauren's friends and family. It also becomes more eerie when the phone calls are going straight to voicemail. Yeah. Lauren's sister, Caitlin Wheeler, said she was already concerned, but now talking with Lauren's friends, her concerns were certainly validated. Caitlin was one of two younger sisters of Lauren's. Caitlin sent a Facebook message to one of her big sister's law school pals in Macon. This is Ashley Morehouse. Ashley and Lauren met on a Friday evening back in 2008 and became fast friends. They were pretty close. Caitlin asked Ashley to drop by Lauren's apartment. Ashley did. She says she walked up the stairs to the second floor apartment and knocked on the crimson door of apartment number two, Lauren's apartment. No one answered. She says she saw Lauren's Mitsubishi Galant. Her vehicle was parked outside, out front, where... She would expect to see it. Ashley called Caitlin back to tell her she hadn't found her sister. Ashley offered to swing by again later. Then they got in touch with Kristen Miller, a close friend of her sister's, who had gone to college with Lauren in Atlanta. Miller thought it was odd that she, too, hadn't heard from Lauren after sending a message a couple of days earlier. Over the next few hours, everyone was desperately trying to reach anyone who might know where Lauren could be. Right, so they're kind of putting the pieces together to realize nobody's made contact with her for days. Yeah, yeah, and the thing here is Caitlin, her sister, knew Lauren's passwords to uh, some of her online activity. So she logged into Lauren's Facebook and logged into Lauren's Gmail accounts. This would offer her no comfort at all, as she saw quickly that Lauren had not sent any emails in several days. She hadn't been on Facebook at all. Her sister 
started calling Macon hospitals to find out if there had been some type of accident or, or if she was held up in a hospital somewhere. Right. And then Lauren's friends and family reached out to the police and an officer was being sent to Lauren's apartment. This was about 11 p.m. Georgia time. 20 minutes later, the dispatcher said an officer went to the apartment complex and didn't find any signs of forced entry. The officer then called and suggested that Lauren may have gone away for a few days. The officer said a missing persons report could not be filed until the morning. (laughs) That's ridiculous. You have no contact with somebody for multiple days. You, You went in... Uh, the fact that you went in and you saw that there was no emails sent and there was no emails checked for multiple days, that's an, that's another sign, especially a, a student that is looking to move and possibly get jobs. You'd think they would check these things. Yeah, it, what the officer is going to reiterate to the family is, you know, we did go by there. We saw absolutely zero signs of forced entry. The apartment was secure. The door was locked. Yeah. And they're they're saying, yes, we understand that you can't get in touch with her, but we don't see anything that would point us in the direction of of we should be involved in this whole thing. We also believe that these apartments are primarily uh, occupied by students. I believe, I actually believe that all of them so it could our be students like and that they're all kind, law right. students. So it could be some kind of university housing. And you think that they'd be able to contact the university and get access, you know, Hey, let's just, we went by, there's no sign of force entry, but let's just, let's go into her apartment. Yeah. I'm, I'm uncertain if the university owns these, these buildings. Right. But they could, the police could get a hold of the landlord. Yeah. So it, Around midnight, it was decided that Ashley Morehouse, who we've already talked about, should go ahead and go back to the apartment, but this time go into the apartment. She was going to use a spare key, which Lauren kept in a white vase on her patio table. This is to get inside of the apartment. Yeah, that's... I I don't like that. I don't like the hidden key thing. So she did go to the apartment, but she was not going to go into the apartment alone. She had a few of... Lauren's friends and or classmates, friends, classmates with her. Yeah, and some neighbors as well. Inside, they found Lauren's purse and keys. They found her cell phone. As suspected, the battery was dead to the cell phone. They plugged the phone into a charger, turned the phone on, and learned that no calls or messages had been made or sent in several days. Someone turned on the phone and found that Lauren hadn't made any calls or sent any messages since Saturday. So four days ago, as of now, we are on Wednesday. All of Lauren's study materials were at the house as well. So no one had any reason to believe that she was out somewhere studying, you know, plus her phone and right. Is there everything that you would expect to be there with Lauren is there in the apartment, except for Lauren. Yeah. They did check Regarding her email, there was an email that she had sent a few days before. It was one of the, I believe the last email she sent was before Saturday. Correct. Was her, her, she sent an email stating that she believed somebody was watching her or somebody had tried to break into her apartment. It's reported different ways. I've not seen the actual email myself, but Mm. it's reported different ways. And I'm a little uncertain as to 
if she mentioned both or if it was just one or the other. But it's suspicious behavior regardless. Very. And we need to point out here, Captain, if everyone hasn't already figured it out by all of her friends that we've mentioned, Lauren was very social by all accounts. She was extremely outgoing. Yeah. While her friends are in her apartment conducting a little investigation of their own, one of Lauren's neighbors, this is Stephen McDaniel, came over at some point. Now, let's give a little background here. Lauren is not new to this area, as we have kind of already pointed out. She has lived in this apartment complex for years. So has Stephen McDaniel. And I don't know this to be true, but I'm guessing a lot of these people, the, the students that live in these apartments, that it's a more of a long-term situation than most college-type situations. Mm-hmm. Now, Lauren and Stephen lived in the same apartment complex, attended the same college, taking the same classes. Both were recent graduates of law school and both studying for their bar exams. Remember, Lauren, however, is from out of town, out of state even, from Maryland. Stephen, while not from the immediate area, he was born and raised in Georgia. Stephen is from Littleburn. Don't make me say that too many times. Littleburn, Georgia, which is like an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minute drive north of Macon. Stephen graduated from Parkview High back in 2004. Stephen Mark McDaniel earned a academic scholarship to Mercer as an undergraduate. So Stephen and Lauren, as did most of the residents in this apartment complex, they knew each other. Right. The apartment complex, this is not a huge or, well, even big apartment complex. It consists of two buildings. Each building is two floors, and each building houses eight apartments. So only 16 apartments total. Lauren lives in apartment number two. This is on the second floor. Stephen lives in apartment number four. He, too, is on the second floor. These two spoke several times over the years. They were, however, a bit of polar opposites, let's say. Lauren was very outgoing, and Stephen was not. Lauren had a ton of friends, and Stephen was a loner. Stephen stops by. He's talking with Lauren's friends who's looking for her. They're, you know, everybody wants to know where she is. One of Lauren's friends would go on to describe Stephen's presence as, quote, very weird. Yeah. Now, I, I think most people would say that this guy didn't have a lot of friends, was probably pretty quiet, seemed pretty nice, but also seemed a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was Stephen that you heard in the trailer there. So that yeah. gives you a little Stephen flavor, I guess, <laughs> whatever that is. Now, Stephen flavor from Macon, Georgia. Now, what they are seeing at Lauren's apartment, Captain, nothing is amiss. And her friend Ashley Morehouse described the scene the best when she told Caitlin Wheeler, quote, everything you'd take with you if you went somewhere was in the house. Right. Caitlin called her uncle, who is a cop in Washington, D.C. He told her, you better tell the group to go outside, you know, get out of the apartment, go outside, lock the door, and call 911 and insist that they send an officer to the scene immediately. Right. So that's exactly what they did. 
and two Mercer University police officers were dispatched to the apartment. After they arrived, they spoke with the group. The officers then decided to call the Macon City cops. A Macon police officer arrived at the scene at 12.52 a.m. The officer and the group walked around the complex, looking in the bushes. They searched the law school. They searched the library. The officer and the group stayed. They didn't go home until about 3 a.m. I do want to point out that Macon police officer, while at the scene, he did notify the detective bureau that they had a missing person. Right. Early in the morning on Thursday, June 30th, one of Lauren's friends, her father was friends with the mayor of Macon. So the mayor was contacted and told of this whole situation. The mayor, of course, calls the chief of police. And the general orders here, Captain, are going to be, one, very quickly determine if this situation warrants a full-on investigation. And if it does, let's get into that investigation right away. So Lauren's friends and family wanted the police to be very understanding of this situation and to treat it accordingly. Basically, what they wanted to be understood is Lauren's been missing for days now, right? Even though we reported her missing late last night, right? we did our own little investigation, we being the family and friends, and we determined she's been missing since Saturday. So we are coming up on five days now. Lauren's been missing for five days. Don't treat it as though it's just been one day. Remember, we said they need to determine if necessary and then go right into a full-on investigation. Well, that is exactly what law enforcement determined, and that is exactly what they did. By 9 a.m., the Macon police, who are now officially in charge of this investigation, they are back on the scene, back at the apartment complex. Now we have detectives, we have officers, we have one of those large caravans. This is those large mobile command centers that you see. Yeah. And you know when you see one of these things that something major is probably going on. Well, they have to look at her apartment now with all that evidence of all of her stuff being there. One, where is she? But then two, is there any evidence that somebody came in and, and took her away from that. Right. And by this time, they are knocking on doors and they are interviewing and asking questions of all of the residents at the apartment complex. Stephen McDaniel is interviewed at this time. This is a informal interview conducted inside a police or detective's car. Right. Now, at about 9.40 a.m., Two detectives noticed a terrible smell coming from a trash can. I like to call these wheelie bins. It's This is a large trash can outside in the apartment complex. The, the type that will hold several bags of trash, rubbish, and debris, and the garbage truck comes around, lifts it up, and dumps it into the truck. And I'm assuming One of big, that... big bins. Yeah, and I'm assuming that each apartment didn't have their own bin. I'm assuming that they had these bigger bins for multiple apartment units. Yeah, I believe these were shared yeah. uh, bins, as you would say. So the detectives 
are worried about this smell because what they would later say, these are experienced detectives. They have worked violent cases. They have worked homicide cases before. Unfortunately, what they're smelling, they're familiar with this smell and it's not, it's not good for their investigation. Whoever smelt it, dealt it. They opened the lid to the trash can and they Mm -hmm. saw that there were several trash bags that appeared to be full of trash. They cut open the bag that was on top Mm. and inside was exactly what you would expect to find. It was trash. Then they cut open the bag just below the top bag. Inside this bag, they found what appeared to be a decomposing torso of a woman. From my understanding, the only clothing on the torso was a pair of pink shorts. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, Thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. 
Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch. Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, me mateys. Cheers, Captain. And a big cheers to all the teachers out there. That's right. A few hours after finding the torso, Stephen McDaniel granted reporters an interview along the sidewalk near 
the apartments. Let's take a listen. You've been studying for the bar? I no one had seen her since Saturday because I we all just there's not a whole lot of interaction unless we're doing classes. Right. And she was doing the online version of it. You all so, study together though? I no, we were in this there's two different people that there's two companies that provide it. Captain provides it and Barbary provides it. I signed up with Barbary and I've been doing the lectures that they have in the mornings. She was doing the Kaplan online, so I hardly ever saw her. I, mean, I would see her like go out running, but I. What time would you go out running? I I don't even know when. Was it I, at night or morning? I, I saw her like midday a, a couple weeks ago. I mean, that was the last time I saw her was coming back from the bar prep on the main campus because we got moved over there for a week or two. But she normally would run. That was yeah, I mean, that she, she she ran all the time. I mean, she, she had a group that she would go running with. I mean, I, I, I don't know anyone that would want to hurt her. She was as nice a person as there is. Was she moving soon? Did you know anything about her? Yeah, yeah. She she was going to be moving out uh, today. She was supposed to move out today because someone else was going to be moving into her apartment. New Boston. You know if she was like where is she from is she uh, from maryland yeah maryland? she's from up in maryland put this on you so we can hear you is that all right okay i'm so sorry yeah, and you can just hold on thank you yeah she's from maryland yeah i mean she she was from up in maryland I mean, all her family was there as far as i know i mean she what's going on in your mind right now like what are you thinking Why would anyone do this? She didn't hear anything. No. Didn't see I, yeah, I just heard something. Maybe I could have helped. It's okay, don't worry. Do you want to sit down for a second? Get something to drink? Do you know if a bunch of her friends are getting together or anything? I, that's how I found out that she was missing. We. A bunch of her friends came over yesterday night, around midnight, and they they couldn't they hadn't seen her since Saturday, so they were trying to find out where she was. So they were knocking on neighbors' doors and stuff. I no, they they went in. They had a key to her apartment, and they checked around, didn't see anything out of place. I mean, it was locked when everyone got there. That was midnight. Yeah, around midnight, and then we. We went over to law school to see if maybe she was over in the library studying or something. And we looked up in the study rooms on the third floor and there was no one there. And we came back, we looked around and just tried to find any anything to figure out where she was. She doesn't have any family in Georgia? I don't, I don't know. I mean, as far as I know, every all of her family is from in Maryland. Have you met her family before? I, there, there was one time that I met them. They came down first year. She she had a little dog, a little brown dog, that she would uh, exercise out in front of the law school, and it got hit as she was coming across the road. 
I I heard the car hit it and ran out and she was there crying and we thankfully there was someone who came along who knew a vet or something and they helped that and the her family came down uh, I think a, a couple weeks after that or something and I met them just briefly right. but I we we've been trying to figure out she has a boyfriend up in Atlanta but I someone called her called him and he hadn't heard from her and just no no one could figure out where she was so with the last rescue day weather you said that somebody seen her on Saturday yeah she went over to a couple friends house Gary Mueller and Joe Cairns they live over on Walnut and and they they said that she was over there in the morning and then that was the last time that anyone we've been able to find out from had seen her she hadn't mentioned what she was going to do that day or anything uh, we uh joe he got onto her computer last night to see if she had said anything she'd sent an email out to some people that afternoon talking about like going out to eat or something <sighs> And the last thing that anyone, there was an email that she sent out after 10 that night where she, she sent to, I think it was someone in Atlanta, a friend of hers in Atlanta, and he, she said that she, she was afraid in her apartment that she thought that someone had tried to break in on Thursday night, and she, she was afraid to stay in there, but... Where did you hear? Where did you hear that from? From Joe? Uh, he he pulled it up and we we read it off the screen. And she had said that to a friend in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name. But and you hadn't heard anything on Thursday night. No. She no. never came to you to tell you anything. No, I. I if she had, I, I could have done something. I I could have lent her a handgun. I've I've got a little handgun that I have for defense. And. Yeah, I mean, something. I mean, if she was afraid in her apartment, then, I mean, get her out of there. Is that her? That, that's what she said in the email. She thought that someone had tried to break into her apartment. She said, like, Megan Hoodlums tried to break into my apartment on Thursday night. Is that her car parked there? The Chevy? No. Car? No, um, I think that that's the detective's car, Detective oh, her Patterson. Car's not even there? No, it, it was here earlier, and they, they towed it. I mean, it had been there for days, and then they towed it to, I guess, look through, see if there was... Yeah. How did she find out that something yeah. was wrong with the police here? Was it, like, when you walked up a little while ago, or...? No, I mean, we... The police were called last night, and they came, and they looked around. They didn't see anything. I mean, they went in. We looked around the place. No sign of a struggle, no sign that anyone had broken in, just nothing. Just she was gone. I mean, all of her stuff was there, her ID was there, her wallet was there. So what you're hearing there is, it's actually, we have three interviews with Stephen McDaniel. And in the trailer, you heard the first portion of that. What you just heard is what is the second portion. Now, I apologize for the audio, but keep in mind, this is an interview that the local news is doing with this man because he's believed to be a witness. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Why are the police here? We have a body that's been found, a missing right. woman. The body's not been identified yet. 
And this is right after he finds out, Daniels finds out that a body has been found. Yeah, he finds out from the the yeah. person asking him the questions. It's not confirmed that it's the girl that he knows. It's not confirmed that it's his law school friend, Laura Giddings. But he can you, you can tell that he's assuming, right? Yeah, well, and I think the news people are assuming mm-hmm. as well. So when we say these are three different interviews, they're, they're actually, they're all kind of happening at once. You could, you could make an argument that they're just one long interview, Yeah. but the first one that you hear, he's giving some general information. They're asking general questions. And then when they tell him, Hey, a body has been found, he has to go take a break. He's, he's overwhelmed with emotion and he goes and he takes a break where I believe he went off somewhere and sat down for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then he kind of conducts himself and then comes back and answers more questions. And that's what you just heard there. Some important things in that second portion are he references the email that we talked about that was sent at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And this is believed to be the last communication that she attempted with anyone. He says that it was sent to a friend in Atlanta in, in reality, He's right, but but it was actually sent to her boyfriend who lives in Atlanta. Right. And you heard Stephen's words. He says he read it on the screen, on her computer screen, the night before when he and her friends were in the apartment trying to figure out where she could be. He says that, that Lauren wrote to her boyfriend saying, some Macon hoodlums tried to break into my apartment. Right. Um, Not really buying this email, but... Well, well, I mean, it, it happened. Um, right. It was an email that, that she sent. Well, well it was an email actually, sent from her computer. Yeah. You bring up a good question. I didn't think about it that way until you just, until you just brought it up in that, that manner. Um, it was an email that was sent from her account, let's say, right. Yeah. And believed to be from her. Police were suspicious of this email too, but not in the sense that you and I, you know, that you just educated me to. Mm-hmm. Um, they were suspicious because they're like, okay, your your long-term girlfriend sends you an email saying people tried to break into her apartment and it's days later. And you're not contacting Hey, boyfriend, me. why didn't you respond yeah. to this? Uh, this makes no sense. I mean, uh, I've gone over this time and time again, like in cases like the Adnan Syed case, for example. Well, why wouldn't, the boyfriend of Heyman Lee contact her the day that supposedly she goes missing. Why wouldn't her ex-boyfriend contact her the day she goes missing? Here's a scenario where you got an email. Now, now mind you, it's email. It's not a text message, right? right? So, so that's where it becomes fishy too, because if, if you're calling people, if you're sending texts, why wouldn't you just send this in a text? Why would you send it through email? Unless that was their, uh, the the protocol for their relationship because they were so far away that they would communicate more through email. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any evidence of that. So it's just strange that that would be sent through email anyways. And then if if the guy didn't check his email, then he gets a pass. That's why he didn't contact his, his girlfriend that would send this email. But so, again, it, it's fishy that you'd send the email anyways. But now mind you, what is happening at the same time is they're going through the trash like you were stating, and now they find a 
torso, they're, I think they're all, the detectives are assuming, hey, this is the, this is the missing girl. This uh, is Lauren. Oh, yeah, 100%. But now they're going to go through all the other bins. But what's interesting is half the apartment's trash has already been picked up. Yeah, so let's let's get into that in just a second because I kind of want to go through what you were just talking about. And this is interesting because just a, like a week ago regarding that Adnan Syed case and what you just referenced, right. I was having a conversation with our friend Zoe and I was explaining that my take on that is you know, the, the Don was his name, the boyfriend believed to be right. Heyman Lee's boyfriend. He was older. And I just simply said to her, cause she found it very strange. And I agree. I think on some level it is strange, but I also think that everybody tends to kind of think everything is relative and everything is similar to their own situation. And I, I have to remind myself sometimes that 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 is not usually the case. If just because I find something to be strange, we don't know the dynamics of that relationship or Lawrence with her boyfriend as well. And so in the case of Dawn, he's old, he may just not have cared. He may not have thought of the relationship in the same way that she thought of this relationship. I understand that. But when, when have you ever made plans to meet up with somebody? They didn't show up. And you didn't try to make contact with them. I've actually, that's actually happened to me multiple times. So you make plans with somebody, they never show up and then you just don't even call or text to figure out what happened. I think it's actually happened three or four times, but I can, I can think of two times that, that 100% that's exactly what went down. Right. So, cause I was, I, my, how many times was that person a significant other? Uh, all of the times it was somebody that I was dating or in that type of relationship, not, not a significant other. I wouldn't say that, but somebody that I was okay. Now, now had been on multiple dates. Now, now answer this question. How many of those times did you get a call from the police stating that that person was missing? And then there, then afterwards you didn't make contact with them. Um, never, well, never. Right. (laughs) So look, I, I, I think it's, I mean, we don't want to go too far into this. Well, that's a different uh, case, case, but but, but what I'm talking about here, the, and it kind of goes along with Lauren's case as well, is from what I could find, and what I'm I, I'm making a lot of assumptions here about Lauren's relationship with this boyfriend. Yeah, it seems to me though that they're they're not so connected at the hip. You know what I mean? They're not they're not so tied to one another. This is a bit of a long distance relationship. Right. Um, yes, it is long term. Yes. It sounds like they were planning on moving in together, but it also sounds like they very much lived separate lives when they weren't with each other. Right. Which would make more sense why you would contact somebody through email. Plus this dude, uh, I believe he's significantly older than Lauren, maybe 10 years, 12 years. He's, He's older. He's more established. She met him when she was working at some um, law firm. Uh huh. Remember, she wants to be a lawyer. So he doesn't respond to this email because he told detectives. He said, "Look, i i wanted to I wanted to have a conversation with her in person about this email 
and I wasn't going to do so until the next time I saw her. He's saying, yes, I understand you're telling me that she's missing. She sent me this email. I didn't reply. You think that's suspicious. I'm telling you, I didn't even know that she was missing. Um, yeah, the, he's, yeah. he's in California on a golf trip. So his, <laughs> he has a solid alibi. He, he, he's been, right. you know, he's on the other side of the country, uh, yeah. at the time in question. He was <laughs> the, ahead. the other thing that police were suspicious about. So now, now we've cleared the boyfriend, right? Now, the other thing that police are suspicious about is the night before. Remember, it's believed that Saturday is the last time anybody had any contact with Lauren. The night before, on Friday night, she and a friend stayed at the home of two males. And you hear Stephen McDaniel reference that in the, the interview there. He said, you know, when, when the reporter says, when's the last time anybody saw her? He says she was with some friends at, and she, he mentions their names. I don't, I don't know their names. Um, they lived on Walnut street. Well, in fact, the, the, the real story is her friend was seeing one of these guys. They, they have a relationship and they were partying there the night before. And the, the two women decided to just crash at that house. So she was last seen coming home from that house. So now police are a little suspicious because they're like, wait a second. We thought she had a boyfriend. Yes, she does. Boyfriend's in California on it, on this golf trip. Oh, what's she doing? Staying the night at these guys house the night before. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that go, Hey, we're, we're going to have a long distance relationship and Hey, uh, whatever happens in your hometown, I don't need to know about it. You know what I mean? That, that well, is, and that's what that I was getting common. at. I, 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 I like think, I said, I, I'm making assumptions here, but that's that's really what I'm assuming was going on with Lauren and her boyfriend's relationships. Right, but, but as that far they lived as, separate lives when they weren't together. Right, and and as far as law enforcement and detectives are concerned, now if that is the case, and you go, well, we have evidence that she's hanging out with these other guys. Is there another romantic interest that? you know, would have motive because she's going to leave him, uh, for the, the longtime boyfriend. And that's an angle they have to look into. Let's hear the, the third portion of that interview. And then this morning they knocked on my door. They were looking around trying to find anything. And a few, a few of the other friends, uh, Burpee, um, Burpee and Garen and Ashley, they were here. They were here last night, and they'd come back this morning. And I just went out and talked with them, and they, and then they moved us all over to the side, and they bust us all down to the department and kept us there until I got back just a little while ago. And, yeah, they, they took statements trying to find out if anyone had seen anything, if anyone had heard anything when the last time anyone saw it was. Now, they haven't confirmed, at least not with us, that it, it was Lauren um, that they found. Are you holding out any hope right now? I, I, I hope, but I, if, if they found it on, on the property somewhere... No. No, as far as any of us knew, they, they were still trying to just find her. I mean, we 
got an email this morning from some people that live on the other side of Kroger, on the other side of the river, that they had seen her in the past running in that area. We thought maybe someone had snatched her over there, or maybe she got hurt or something. All right, so when we listen to those three clips, the one thing that jumps out at me that is more apparent in that clip, I think, than the other two, is this the reporter starts asking him something and he starts doing this. And then when he goes to answer, there's no emotion. It goes right back into normal speech. Yeah. So when I was watching it, I watched it a few times and it's the the footage. Look, the audio is not the best and the the video is not. That's the best audio we've ever. (laughs) The video is not the best either. And plus he's got, we should probably describe what Steven looks like. So he's kind of a pasty, skinny kid. Um, he would be in his uh, 26. He would be 26 at the time of that interview. Yeah. He has very um, puffy hair. Very, yeah, long hair, but it's it's all it's all over the place. It's very poofy as you. It's as almost you like a afro. Yeah. And he he looks like what maybe. He, He's got a little facial hair, maybe hasn't shaved in a couple of days or something. He's very patchy. Yes. So when watching that, one, the video is not the best, but then two, they're outside. You can hear the wind blowing, and at some point you can hear vehicles driving by. Uh, Maybe somebody's cell phone is making a weird noise. But with the wind blowing, his hair is constantly like in and out of his face, right? Yeah. And... I was trying to determine, because we've seen this in in several other cases, where what you hear is it sounds like somebody who's very emotional. It sounds like somebody who's crying, but you will have witnesses tell you there were no tears. And I was trying to determine if he was, in fact, actually crying tears. Not just putting on a a noise or a voice uh, to, to sound like he's very upset and that he's crying. Yeah, I couldn't determine if I was seeing tears or not. But what I will say is the woman who gave who was asking him the questions, her words later were, yes, he was very emotional. Uh, And yes, he became very emotional as soon as I told him they found a body. Um, And he does in this third portion keep referencing she was a jogger. And unfortunately, we've covered too many cases where a woman has been out jogging and she's not seen again. So he keeps referencing that. But again, I couldn't tell if there were tears or not. I'm going to go with what the reporter says. She says he was very emotional. I'm just going to believe that she believed his emotions to be genuine at the time. But I'm with you. It sounds to me like he's turning it on and turning it off. Right. When and, and, he, he's turning it on and then he's, he's asked to give a response and he gives a response and the emotion is not, it's absent from, from his words. It's too clear. And I, but I also don't like any time that we have a missing person. We have no, you have, look, you can assume, uh, your friend's missing for a few days. They find a body. Yeah. You could start assuming that's her body. I, I, I get that part, but I don't like when people start offering these alternate endings. Oh, well, we just thought this, or we just thought she went for a run and somebody grabbed her. You know, it's, it's 
alternate endings, and I, I, I just never liked that. Well, I, I get that, but this is not the first time he's been asked what does he think happened to her. You know what no. I mean? Like, so it's. But he also. I think where he's quick with an answer, it's because he's been asked that question probably at least two times before this interview. Because you heard him say he, he spoke with police that morning and he also spoke with them. We know he did a, a brief interview with them in either a detective's car or a police car. We also heard him say that they took some of them down to the station and talked to some of her friends there as well. So he's he's been. He's been talking about this missing persons case all morning long by by the time of this interview. Right. But it's also, he does this thing where he kind of goes like, well, I didn't know her that well, you know, but then offers a lot of detail, you know, like, well, I didn't know her that well. Did you meet any of her family? Yes, one time. And, and I remember what happened the day before. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that's a lot of detail. Yeah, so he's saying what? That he believes he saw her maybe a week or two before that interview? That's what it sounds like to me. He's not claiming that he saw her on Saturday. He's no, saying I, he, he's heard from friends that she was last seen on Saturday. Yeah, I didn't get that. I think what he um, the, the reason why there's confusion on that answer is he was basically saying, like, yeah, I remember seeing her run like a week or so ago. Uh-huh. So okay. I, I think it wasn't so much that that's the last time I saw her. I think he's going, that's the last time I remember seeing her run. So after the torso is found, and as we said, yes, it was found on the property of the apartment complex. He, he Stephen's unaware of that during that interview. Um, the detectives are knocking on everyone's doors that live in the apartment complex. They, again, are going to ask more questions, but this time they want to ask each resident if they can come inside and do a quick walkthrough. Right. From the paperwork that I saw, Captain, they state that everyone granted them permission to go into their apartments. This did include Stephen McDaniel. However, the way that it's described in in the paperwork it sounds like they really had to do some talking to talk him into letting them come in and do this is just supposed to be a quick walk in walk out quick observation do you yeah. see anything super suspicious that that warrants further investigation if not move on well you're right and you have to protect yourself against law enforcement you don't want to be accused of something that that you didn't do but the reason why I find that odd, and I understand that he's also a law student that's going to take his bar. So, you know, you go, oh, well, should I let you in? Is, so so is, would be all the other residents, though, as well. Right. Right. But, but, I agree. But but what I find strange is that you've you've talked to the cops several times. You seem to be willing to help. And then all of a sudden, once we want to come into your apartment, you're going, yeah. oh, hold on. I don't know if this is the right thing. Yeah. In fact. Like, well. It's one or the other to me. Like if 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 they would have started asking him questions and he just said, "Look, I don't want to answer any questions without a lawyer," from the get go, you know, or like maybe he, you know, answer some initial questions. But once you said, "Hey, step into the car with me," you go, "No, no, no, no." 
I'm a law student. This is the, these are the rules. Well, and he's very forthcoming in that interview as well. Right. With the, with the uh, news reporter. And then all of a sudden you don't want me in your apartment. According to the documents that I viewed and we, I don't know what the actual truth is. All I can state is this is what the documents, the state documents said happened. According to the police, according to the detectives, they are initially not granted permission by Steven to enter his apartment to which they explained to him. Everyone else except for you has allowed us into their apartments. I don't know if that is in fact true, but Steven must have believed it because then he chooses to let them into his apartment. Right. They're in there very briefly. This walkthrough through Steven's apartment took place at 1:40 PM now, in his apartment, they find a large knife, a large samurai sword, a rifle, two handguns, and amongst some other items, they, they find some other items, but these are the items that they specifically note of being in question regarding that walkthrough that took place at 1.40 p.m. Yeah, but it's like, uh, you could also state that every apartment you went into that had a, a knife set had a large knife. True. So, yeah. So, I mean, samurai I, sword is a bit out of the norm. Uh, a, a rifle and two handguns a bit out of the norm. I don't think so. I mean, as far as like, you know, he could have been a hunter or he wanted to protect himself. Yeah, maybe the samurai sword, samurai sword, but I, I bet you know a few people that have swords or, so, you know, some collectible. I actually, out of all the items that we just mentioned there, I have everything of those in my in my residence except for the rifle. So oh, I was um, going to say I was going to guess but, the sword. But what I will say is, yeah, out of if they did in fact walk through all the apartments, this is the only apartment, and these are the only items that made it onto their paperwork later. Right. So they obviously found it to be alarming. Let's say mm-hmm. now it didn't take long, Captain, but it was on the news and online news reports. Later saying that the body, a body turned up at Lauren's apartment complex. They didn't know for certain if it was her, but a few hours later, they would confirm that it was in fact Lauren. She was no longer missing. Lauren was dead. Right. But the thing about that, that I'm so fascinated in is that the, the scheduled pickup for trash was earlier. Correct. And for some reason there was some kind of, like half the apartment's trash got picked up and then there was some reason there was some interference that the other part of the the complex was not the the trash was not picked up yeah so let me let me go through this and I'll tell you exactly why that went down like that so okay. the Macon Telegraph is a newspaper and and this they covered this case and this story hands down better than anybody else. They've, they've covered it for well, now. since it happened. Yeah. Until now. And well, <laughs> that's right. Um, so the, as the Macon telegraph put it, Giddings torso had been disposed of stuffed in a flip top curbside garbage can beside her apartment building for police. Finding it was a stroke of fortune on what was trash pickup day at the complex. It would have been hauled to a landfill without the torso. Giddings might have become one of those supremely lost 
the unfortunate souls who disappear into forever without a trace. That's from the Macon Telegraph. What went down, Captain? And this, like you said, a stroke of luck. And like the Macon Telegraph put it, if if that trash would have been picked up that day, this case would have been very, very different. And that's why I said earlier that her friends springing into action is really what made this case completely different. Right. It, it, it kept, it got it on the right path because her friends get involved. They recognize that she has been unheard from. They send friends to her apartment, determine that she is in fact missing, has been missing for days. Log into her email. Yeah. Log into the email. One of her friends says to her father, your friends with the mayor of Macon. Can yeah. you call him and tell him what's going on? Because she's been missing for days. This is completely out of character. And she sent an email saying somebody was trying to break into her home. We're completely freaking out here. Yeah. Friend's father calls the mayor. Mayor calls the police chief. Police chief gets everything set into action. Now, we said the night before, the officer on the scene did notify the detective bureau that they have a a missing persons case. And, hey, detective, it's now your missing persons case. The detective who they contacted, I don't know if he was on call, but the the detective that received that call, received the case, let's say, did tell the officer he would be there in the morning. Now, I don't know what time he was going to get there, I, but we do know that the mayor called the police chief and this set into action a chain of events. Right. All of those officers were at the scene just before 9 a.m. the next morning. We have detectives there, we have police cars there, and we have that big, large caravan, this mobile command center, let's say. Because of all those vehicles and because of this mobile command center, the guy driving the garbage truck decided, I'm not going to ask the police to move their command center or their vehicles. Right. I'm going to go collect other trash and I'll swing back by here once they leave. Yeah. So it was actually all of those chain of events set this into motion to where they couldn't pick up that trash that day. As you said, should have been picked up before the body was discovered. Yeah. Sometimes the universe lends us a hand. For all of our old episodes, go download the Stitcher app. It is free, and all of our old episodes are free. And if you want to check out our weekly bonus show, check out Stitcher Premium. We have a show called Off the Record. It gets a little silly. Join us back here in the garage tomorrow. Until then, be good, be kind, and don't let it. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. 
There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.